This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today's topic is don't let panic drive your investment decisions. This is a topic that is very near and dear to my heart right now because I keep hearing certain types of comments from our clients and from people that I'm having conversations with about how they're feeling about the economy, how they're concerned about a potential recession, what they're worried about coming up. And it's starting to shift and change the ways people are thinking about their investment decisions. I'm starting to see that panic creep in. I was chatting with a client just last week And what she talked about was the looming economic recession. And then I had another conversation on the phone with someone, and they were talking about, when do you think the bomb is going to drop in our economy? Those are two really, really strongly worded, powerfully emotion-packed phrases of people who are concerned about the economy and then that impacting their investments in a negative way. So I want to talk a little bit about this whole topic, because as I said, what I'm seeing is people are starting to let their emotions drive their decisions and their investment planning, and we really want to take that factor out of it. So here's the thing. Emotions have a really, really powerful role in our decision making, and also understanding our emotions really, really could be one of the most important tools in your investment planning arsenal. (laughs) Why? Because investment decisions that are born off of emotions generally tend to be poor decisions. Investment decisions that are born out of logic, out of formulas, out of algorithms, out of timeframes, risk tolerance levels, things like that, they tend to be the better investment decisions. And people make better investment decisions when times are going well, and then they change all of it because of emotion when times are not going so well. So when markets are at the top, people feel successful, they feel accomplished, and they're really hopeful that this is going to last forever. And we've really just come through a bull market where we have seen some of these things last a much longer time than we would have anticipated a typical bull market to last. But now we're in a market that doesn't feel so good. We're not at the top. When we're at the top, our positive feelings tend to make people underestimate the risk in a portfolio. And at the bottom, people tend to feel depressed about it or even foolish about some of the investment decisions that they've made. And and they also start to second guess their plan. They start to second guess whether or not the risk tolerance level truly feels right for them or whether or not they can withstand a lifetime if the markets never recover. Now, listen to what I just said there. If the markets never recover, what we have to remember is that there have been many, many, many downturns in the market. It's a normal part of the market cycle. However, after every other single time there's been a down market, it has been followed by an up market. We've never had a situation before where the markets don't recover. They simply tend to recover. (laughs) But we forget that. And why do we forget that? Because of our emotions. So 
when you look at the markets, it's interesting for me to see how much tends to be driven by actual uh, economic data, which is what they should be driven by, earnings that companies are reporting, things like that, that are economic data versus emotions. And so the reality of the market is that there is an emotional component, even in the market's numbers, right? Because the markets are traded by humans. <laughs> humans have emotions and emotions tend to play into it. So there is some component of the market going up and down that is driven by emotion. Um, the optimism and a good market can fuel excitement, can be thrilling, can kind of be a euphoric thing for people when they see that they're making money hand over fist. And people start to chase that feeling. And at the top of the markets, we see people making silly investment decisions, chasing things that they think are just going to go up forever, be the next sure thing. But at the bottom of the market, where, you know, when markets are down like they are now, we start to see people also make those kind of foolish decisions in terms of getting out when it's low, locking in their losses, not giving the market time to recover because they are worried about the future. Okay, so to be a successful investor, we really have to have a firm understanding and awareness of how our emotions impact our decision making in order to control our reactions. So whether it's an extreme high or an extreme low, we really have to make sure that we act rationally and that we don't make regrettable decisions on either side of that coin. We don't want to let panic at the bottom mark of the markets drive any type of investment decisions. So the biggest fear that I think people have at down markets is the markets are going to go down. They're going to go down even further. They're going to lose everything. There'll be nothing left and they won't have anything to retire on or that they'll have to go back to work. They'll have to work longer because literally everything in the market's going to blow up. Like that's the that's the real fear, I think, lurking at the back of people's heads. It's not something that is, in my opinion, an actual logical fear because for the market to completely blow up and for all of it to be gone in market-driven investments, it means that every single company that you've invested in has gone bankrupt. If that's the case, if every single company in the stock market has gone bankrupt, th that would be an economy in a world where, where we can't even really imagine what that is. That, that would mean that money is really no longer a valid thing for us because everything's gone bankrupt and there's no companies to work for, nobody has jobs. I mean, it's like an Armageddon type of situation. So it's not a realistic, logical thought, but it is a real fear. So we have to acknowledge that that fear is there for people and that it does, again, drive their investment decisions. So wild swings in the stock market can really leave you kind of itching to make changes in your portfolio. And all of the experts will tell you, you shouldn't let your emotions drive your portfolio decisions. So there's a big disconnect between how you feel and what professional advice is going to tell you. So the key thing that you have to remember is that these ups and downs of the market are a completely normal part of the investing journey. If you look back in history and you look at all the charts, they all go like this, right? They all go up and down, up and down, up and down. They look like crazy little graphs, like a heart monitor. <laughs> going up and down, up and down. That's what the market is. It's us, a series of ups and downs. But over time, the trend has been up. That's how we make money is over time, letting the trend and the up 
have the opportunity to happen. If you sell out of a portfolio at the bottom, you completely miss the chance for the up to ever happen. And that will be a regrettable decision down the road for you. So there's a couple of different timeframes that you have to think about not panicking. You have to not panic before a plunge happens. Well, that's great to know because how are you going to know the plunge is ready to happen? But you also have to not panic after it's happened. So the moral of my story here is just don't panic at all. <laughs> okay, so what do I mean by don't panic before a plunge is ready to happen? You might think a plunge is ready to happen and that's going to cause the panic. So this woman who said to me the looming economic recession and this gentleman that said to me, When's the bomb going to blow up and the economy is just going to drop? They absolutely feel there's something ahead that is dangerous for their investments and their portfolio and the economy as a whole. And those emotions are going to be people who think there's a plunge going to happen. So when I say what you want to do is not panic before a plunge, it's before when you think there is going to be a plunge. So what can happen? Markets can go down. Yes, they can. Obviously, they can. But as I said before, every other market downturn has been followed by an upturn. So what do we need to do to counteract hasty changes to portfolio management? We have to have patience. We have to have patience. We have to write it out. And especially if a down market has already started, which is where we are now, when a down market has already started, we have to have the patience to write it out and to get back to where we want to see portfolios go. If you don't have patience, if you don't write it out, you'll sell at the bottom, you'll lock in your losses and you will completely miss the up that has always historically happened after a down market. Okay, so when we come back from our break, we're gonna talk a little bit about some steps that you can do to counteract your emotions to keep you from panicking when you're making your investment decisions. Congratulations to Mary Sturk and the team at Sturk Financial for earning a spot on two Forbes lists, Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors and Forbes Top Women in Wealth for five years running. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Sturk, where today we're talking about how to not let panic drive your investment decisions. So I want to talk about some actual tips, some strategies that can help you keep your emotions at bay and not help let them drive your investment decision making. So first of all, the goal of tip number one is put some time and some space between the, your impulse to act and your actual behavior of taking action. Okay, so what do I mean by that? What I mean is if you are in panic mode, if you're in fear mode and you want to change your investments, you want to pull out of the market because you're afraid of future losses, it's okay to have those feelings. It's okay to have those emotions. It's okay to have those thoughts in your head, but rein yourself in from taking action immediately when you have those feelings and thoughts. That's the key. So acknowledge them, but do not immediately act on them. So this goes for whether you want to sell during a big drop or even potentially buy during a big surge. We have to approach this logically. Now, this is certainly easier said than done. And I get that because emotions drive a lot of human behavior. But there is a very simple technique. It almost sounds trite, but just sitting back and breathing. Take a deep breath. Just just take some time before you press a button or call your advisor and say that you want out. Take a deep breath, 
calm yourself down so that you can feel the emotion, but kind of let it pass through you a little bit so that you can get to the side of logical thinking beyond that. So tip number one, put some time in between your impulse to make a change and your action to actually make that change. The next one, remember the past. This is a huge one. <laughs> and really, this one is kind of the key to everything, right? It's the answer to everything. Remember that when the stock market dives, this isn't the first time this has happened. And what has happened every other single time, the stock market has recovered and not just recovered, but eventually claimed new highs. So what does that tell you? The people who are patient, the people who control their emotions and their impulses are rewarded over time. How much time? Now that's the million dollar question that I can't answer. You never know how long it's gonna take. But what we have to do now is pull up our big boy and girl pants and just sit there and be patient and wait for it to come back. Historically, it always has. And I have no reason to believe that this time is going to be anything different than the past. Another thing to remember about the past is this. Every single time we have a down market, the chatter that's happening out there goes along the lines of, well, this time could be different because we've never had this happen before. That may be true. We maybe have not had this particular situation happen before, but economics are economics and market cycles are market cycles. And they have happened many, many, many times before, and they continue to repeat in a fairly predictable pattern. The only thing that we can't judge in the pattern is the amount of time it's going to take to run through the pattern. So when I, when I say that, I mean, think back to the Great Recession of 2008. A lot of that was precipitated by things like um, the housing markets and the way that they were selling those loans, bankrupting things and being worthless and companies, big companies going out of business and the government having to step in and rescue them. Okay, that had never happened before, <laughs> but we got through it. It did take time, but we got through it. Think about COVID. COVID created a massive down market over 30% within a matter of weeks. And what happened? It came back and it came claimed new highs. So the people who didn't panic during COVID, who stayed the course with their investments, were well rewarded over time. We didn't know how long it would last, and it certainly had never happened before. You look at what's happening now. Now we have a situation where inflation is high, although for the last six months, it has been slowly ticking down. Inflation is high. The Fed's raising interest rates. People are worried about things. The job market seems unusually stable, though, which counterdicts or contradicts an actual recessionary environment. But there's all kinds of things happening out there that are about inflation. Well, what happened the last time we had runaway inflation? Runaway inflation means it got double, triple what it is today. But this type of inflation create back in the 70s created an environment where the Fed adjusted the way that they manage inflation and interest rates in order to prevent that situation from happening again. So the good news about inflation and interest rates is we do have some lessons from the past that we can rely on to understand how these things are working in order to try to help that particular situation not happen again which means if applied properly, 
we should be able to smooth out the ride and get back to recovery faster than when this happened the last time that it did, where we had massive inflation issues. Okay, so tip number one was to put some time between your impulse and your action. Tip number two, remember the past. What's tip number four? Tip number four is this, don't exaggerate, okay? And perhaps the best way to stop exaggerating is to maybe turn the news off. <laughs> I don't care whether you're watching CNN or you're watching Fox News or whatever you're watching out there. All of the news is out there exaggerating what's happening and making a bigger deal about it and scenting fear, making you think that the world's going to fall apart. And the reality is there are legitimate concerns and then there are exaggerated concerns. Now, when you see somebody get laid off from their job, it makes you think about, gosh, what if it was me? Panic hits, right? If you see markets go down, you think, gosh, what if it goes all the way down and they lose everything? Again, panic sets in. When you hear people saying, I have to go back to work if my portfolio goes down any further, and it makes you panic and say, maybe I can never retire. The real danger with these types of thoughts is they lead to exaggerated thinking. So for instance, if your worry is that you're going to get laid off, the real fear is, oh my God, I'll have no money and I won't be able to feed my family. You know, Or if the market goes down, oh my God, I'm going to lose everything and I will have to work the rest of my life and live in poverty. So there, there's these crazy exaggerated fears that live under the thoughts that seem a little bit more logical. So try to avoid that exaggeration. And another thing to think about with that is don't confuse this current economic cycle with a depression. So I hear people talking about, well, this is gonna lead to another great depression or this recession is inevitable and it's gonna lead to a big depression. We don't know what's gonna happen. Nobody knows what's gonna happen. So don't confuse it with the word depression because the word depression can trigger hopelessness, despair, worried about soup kitchens and milk lines and things like that. And that's not the reality of where our country is today and where our economy is today. If it gets there, we will figure out how to deal with it. But we are so far from there right now that that is an exaggerated line of thinking. Okay, tip number four is to come up with a productive response. So when you think about this in a, in a dark time, in a bad time, whether it's a recessionary time, a depressionary time, whatever, survivors take positive action. That's a huge thing to remember. Within any crisis, there is a positive action that can be taken to help you move forward. It not, might not create immediate positivity, but it may create long-term positivity. So in a situation like this, what are some of the positive actions you could take? Well, if your emotion is screaming at you to sell, the reality is it's probably a good time to consider maybe buying more because what are you doing? You're buying when it's on sale. You're buying when things are low. This is the time that shrewd investors put money in the market. <laughs> and then they sit and wait and give it the time that it needs to work for them. What else can you do? You could cut back on your spending. If you're worried about inflation, try to cut back on your spending a little bit. Trim your budget a little bit. 
If you're worried about your income or your job sources, explore other ways of creating income. Learn a skill. Go out to YouTube. Learn some new new talents out there. There is all kinds of online um, things that you can do to teach yourself new skills that are marketable in this world today. So creating or finding another way to create income if your primary source of income is going to go poof, well, that's a good idea in terms of taking positive action. So there are lots of different things you can do, but these are the things that are going to create a long-term positivity, not necessarily a short-term adrenaline dopamine, you know, inducing thing like, okay, I'm okay right in this minute. All right, so let's recap those. Put your, some time between your impulse to act and your impulse to change and then the action to change. Remember the past. Keep in mind that after every stock market dive in history, there has been a stock market recovery and it's claimed new highs eventually. Number three, don't over-exaggerate. Don't use panic thinking or panic words. Remember what reality is. And number four, come up with a productive response. There are ways to use this situation to your advantage for the long term. Hopefully that's been helpful to help you control your own emotions and to help you not let panic drive your investment decisions. Thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice. You should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Sterk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555. Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list includes 10 recipients per state. The award is based on qualitative and quantitative data rating thousands of wealth advisors with a minimum of seven years of experience and weighing factors like revenue trends, assets under management, compliance records, industry experience, and best practices. The word is not based on portfolio performance or client reviews. There is no fee in exchange for rankings. Third-party rankings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation.